0: GoLongTD.com, humanizing pro football journalism. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Favre with the man, the legend, three-time MVP, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Brett Favre. Uh, This is episode number five, unfiltered, unvarnished, just bringing you football in the raw. Uh, Brett, it's great to catch you uh, before your, your hunting escapades, right? You got a big trip coming up?
1: Yeah, it's that time of year. Um, it's the one thing that I really look forward to. Uh, used to it was was football. Uh, not that I don't look forward to your show because uh, <laughs> we always have a blast, and, that, and that's being honest. Uh, but my other passion is is outdoors, and you know, unfortunately for hunting, you can't do it year round. Not whitetail. Uh, and, and honestly, growing up in the country, I was never really a hunter. Me and my older brother, my dad got us. I got a younger brother too who dabbled in it, the, the same as us. But we were we were either playing football, or playing baseball, or practicing. That, that's you know it wasn't travel ball or anything back then. That was before travel ball. And South Mississippi is not known for cold winters. So, I mean, Christmas Day could be 83, 85, 90, maybe even 90 degrees and humid. That's more likely than, than cold. So it wasn't, it, it it wasn't hunting weather. You know, I mean, you'd have to wear a, uh, a, a muscle shirt and gym shorts to go hunt. So I never really got into it. My dad bird hunted a little bit, had a bird dog. I never really got an itch to do that. But when I got to Wisconsin, not knowing good hunting territory versus bad hunting territory, big deer versus smaller deer, I mean, I I really was uh, just a a rookie in, in a lot of ways. And after about my second year, up there. Tell them about November, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, when the time changed, and we walked out of the Hudson Center at 3 o'clock, excuse me, about 3.30, and it was dark and, and gloomy and cold. And it wasn't, you know, what do you do? You know, it's, then Fridays was our short day, and Saturdays, if we played home, was a short day. We didn't have to travel. I had several hours, you know, before dark to do something. Golf courses, they closed. Uh, usually had a lot of family in. So I to escape that, I, I, I had to find something to do. And luckily, uh, I got into hunting. A good friend of mine, Bill Rose, so I had some hunting property up there. And uh, I really was just... Out there all the time, putting up stands, moving cameras, just getting away from it all. I mean, it was I could go through his gate and just take a big sigh of relief and just ah, and it and from there I was hooked, just hooked line and sinker.
0: I I mean, we've got a lot to get into from the game last night to uh, all sorts of stuff I want to ask you, but there's got to be one legendary hunting story that you cherish to this day, right? And maybe you embellish it over time. I imagine it's like fishing stories. The fish gets a little bigger, but is there anything? Cause you told me once you've hunted like wild boar, I want to say, and obviously white tail is probably your go-to, but you, I'd imagine there's something in the woods that happened. That was a little yeah, white tail is my, my favorite. Um,
1: in for, for the deer hunters out there that are listening, I killed a couple of, or harvested a
0: couple of, really nice deer in Wisconsin. Isn't that the, uh, the great word harvested? You didn't yeah. you didn't kill the deer, you, you harvested it. Politically correct. Uh
1: and I know the hunters are like, what the hell's wrong with farm? He, he killed the damn thing. Uh and I get it. But uh but the biggest whitetail I ever killed of all places, you would never think of this place as being a whitetail Mecca was in Montana, Dillon, Montana. And it was like one of the few places in the state that has whitetail. Out west, there's very few whitetail, if any. Uh, The habitat is different. It's more mule deer, elk, uh, those type of animals. But it just so happens it was the the biggest I've ever taken. But uh, I, I think, you know, and there's so many great stories, some I can't tell on there. But one time we were playing a home game in Green Bay. Um, I think it was Sunday at noon. It was right about the rut, so middle of November somewhere, give or take. You know, just sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's not. That, for Green Bay, it's not that bad, but it was it was just right. So I was bundled up and had a, a climbing stand, so that I could shimmy up a tree real quickly, and. It's attached with a little ratchet strap to the bottom. The, you, you slip your foot in. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're actually dangerous. Yeah. You wrap a little cable around the, the tree with the top, wrap a cable around the tree with the bottom, and you shimmy up. So I shimmyed up about 30 feet. And when I got up and went to turn around, the, the bottom strap Got loose and the the bottom went all the way. So I'm I'm sitting. I could actually sit in the, on the top and it was comfortable, but I had to figure out how to get down.
0: How to get down? But
1: yeah. Th- this was before cell phones, so my brother-in-law was out there on the property. It's about 900 acres. That's a, that's a lot of acres, and he is a he's really one of the. Instrumental people who got me into hunting. He never played sports, never cared about sports, was driving a bulldozer in the third grade. I mean, he was one, he's one of those guys. Um, he'd much rather go hunting. I mean, he would come up for two weeks and I would never see him because he'd be in the woods the whole time and he'd be staying with us. So we're out there hunting. So he, you know, he, he's got all of the latest and greatest stuff and he's got the scent and the, the, the it just does it all right. So I, I'm like, well, I'll try to hunt for a little bit. But I got to get down before dark somehow, some way. So right before dark, right when it's like perfect timing for deer, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, Josh, Josh. Hoping, I, I'm not sure where he's hunting on the property. Well, he never hears me. So I have to turn around. Now I'm playing a big game on Sunday. I have no idea who we were gonna play. It's been a long time. So I said, I gotta try, I gotta bear hug this tree and get down. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, if this goes bad, how in the world is anyone gonna find me, first of all? Second of all, what if I what am I gonna say to hungry? You know? I suppose if you if, if you got two broken legs or a dislocated hip or something from falling, there ain't a whole lot you can say, but I'm sorry. But I was more concerned about being found because Josh didn't know where I was. We didn't meet up and say, all right, I'm going here. I'm going there. Um, uh, and I eventually I just got the balls to turn and bear hug the tree and, and shimmy down 30 feet. I mean, I was up there pretty good. And when I got down, I had to figure out how to get the top back down. So I'm throwing sticks and finally got it down. Needless to say, I didn't see any deer, but that was a close call. And, and, and there's been times where I've fallen out of the tree stand, um, but but not as high.
0: 30 feet? You bear hugged 30. your way down 30 feet.
1: Yeah. Good. The good thing was is I had... Had I, had I been dressed like this, just a t-shirt,
0: yeah,
1: it would have eaten my arms and stuff alive. The, you know, just the
0: bark. And this would have been like probably during one of your MVP seasons. This is the, the home yeah, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was probably year four or five. Uh, so yeah, may have been Super
0: Bowl year. I mean, we can laugh about it now, but there, there's something to uh, you know the. The best player in pro football helplessly screaming from the top of a tree for help. You're just yeah, utterly helpless, good. not sure what that, how you're going to get out of this jam, 900 acres, 30 feet up.
1: No, I, I grew up in the country. I grew up in the woods. I, I feel very comfortable and confident in the woods. Never got lost. And that's another story, the same property. My brother-in-law his dad and his, his brother-in-law were out hunting on the property as well. And I'm in kind of a similar area that, that I was with the tree stand incident. Well, I got down after dark. This is a different time. Maybe even been the same year. So I start, I got a little headlamp. So that, that, that's my light. I'm on a river bottom and again, never been lost before. So I start walking back. Well, all of a sudden. After about 30 minutes walking, I realized I'm back in the same spot. And I, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I traversed that, that river bottom of that property probably more than Bill had. So I knew it inside and out, but it, always in the daylight. Again, never been lost before, so I, I'd laugh at people. Yeah, I got lost in the woods. I'm like, give me a break. So I start walking again in the dire- direction I New to go. Well, lo and behold, I end up right back in the same spot. So this goes on. Then I said, well, I'm going to take a different path. So I would walk. And all of a sudden, I ended up to, at the river. Well, that was the opposite direction. So I'm starting to get nervous. I, and actually, I start panicking. then I start screaming, Josh, Michael, Randy. And they hear me. Again, no cell phones. There's four cell phones. Uh, and I, I'm yelling at the top of my lungs and then I could hear them getting closer and then I saw truck lights and they could only drive so far and eventually they found me and I was like man I, I will never laugh at a guy or person yeah. getting lost in the woods again that was scary
0: maybe invest in a walkie talkie right I mean those something like that you know, we started bringing them after that yeah, yeah. yeah. bringing radios yeah Holy hell, well, I got to blame you for not getting into hunting. I, everybody in my family hunted. My dad, my brother. I was just telling you about my 95-year-old grandfather. Yeah. He's hunting uh, down. We grew up about an hour south of Buffalo on some property, and uh, he just saw a bear last week. So un- unbelievable. I, I, I can't believe he's still hunting. But uh, the I'll never forget, I was 14, my brother was 12, and I was just obsessed with football, obsessed with the Packers, you know. Needed to watch you guys every Sunday. The day my brother and my grandpa went to the hunter safety course, I think it was 2001, maybe like week three, you guys played the Panthers, you won. And I'm like, guys, I I can't miss, I can't miss this game. I'm not, I'm not going to go. I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do the hunter safety course down the road. And I just never did it. Never got into honey. I'm the the black sheep. Yep. They all, they're all into it. Never, never could.
1: In some respects, it's good because as you probably know, if, if you are a hunter, you're kind of, you're kind of crazy. You know, you'll do anything. To, uh, you'll walk to any length uh, to, to kill the animal of your choice.
0: Uh, it is a different breed. Hunters yeah. think about hunting quite a bit. That's like duck hunters. I never got into duck hunting,
1: but I got, you, do you remember Jonathan Papabon? Yeah, the pitcher. He lives about two miles from me, uh, and I mean a rabid duck hunter. He would walk through miles of muck and in, in quicksand just to shoot at one duck. I think he joined a, a hunting club. He paid like $2 million just, just to hunt ducks. I'm like, I wouldn't pay $10 to shoot at a duck. You know, so there's a a different example, but, you know, along the same lines as whitetail hunters, you know. And I I consider myself pretty crazy. I'll I'll do just about anything uh, or go to any length to get a shot at a whitetail.
0: All right, so let's talk some football. What do you say? Uh, Green Bay is alive, right? They're alive. (laughs) They listen you know, to you, Brett. You, you said, "Hey, we got to see some make some shit happen throws, make some uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit." And man, I tell you what, Jordan Love looked has great. Turned it yeah. on.
1: Look great, and you know, I, I think I've said this not only on your show but uh, in other instances. People ask me, or <laughs> I, I like what I see. I think that, and I think one of the first shows we did, I talked about. How the players seem to respond well to Jordan. They look, look, to me, an important element to success is do the guys rally around you? Do they want to win for you? Now, I mean, they should want to win anyway, but there's, there's something to be said about being likable, being a team leader guys saying, look, I jump in the foxhole with that guy any, any day of the week. And I think Jordan Love has, has shown that throughout. But the last couple of weeks, man, you know, he's turned it on. And yesterday against Detroit, Detroit, first ball looked sort of like the Detroit of old. I mean, they've got it. It's in their hand. But, but yet yeah, they can't. I mean, there's still football left, but they, they're letting it slip away. And we had all but written the Packers off. But if you go and just look at yesterday's game, not, not even worry about the rest of the games that they played so far. You you've got to say that Green Bay's a front runner to win the division. Now they got a, a little work left to do, but there's still enough time to do it. I mean, they're not out of it. We, you know, I think we all said, "Well, at least this is a learning year, and we'll find out, you know, who to keep and who to get rid of for, for next year." Now look, they're they're hot. I wouldn't want to play.
0: You know, you've made that point before, like, like your reference, just what do you see in a team and teammates that suggests like, they want to play for this guy? Because I think in demeanor, you and Jordan Love probably couldn't be any different. He's pretty flatlined, right? It's yeah. hard to really get a read on him. You know, Stuff goes wrong. Stuff goes right. He doesn't change. Hey, I mean, how you wore money. your emotions on your sleeve. Like, what, what are you seeing in guys around him that suggest, like, they, they want to fight for this dude?
1: Yeah, I see him jumping around. I see him rallying to, you know, to pick him up when he's knocked down after a, a really good play or a touchdown. You know, the guys are eager to run over there and celebrate with him, even even if he's not a, a celebratory person. And you're right, he's very even killed. <laughs> And I'm not saying one is better than the other. I, you know, I think wearing emotions on your sleeve, people appreciate that, but sometimes you, you, you tend to show a negative side as well. And, you know, uh, and so there's pros and cons to each, but you know, you know, as well as he played yesterday, it, his demeanor looked no different than maybe his worst game this year. Uh yeah. And again there's pros and cons to both but the players know I don't know Jordan love all I know is what I see so you don't see the locker room you don't see the practices you don't see the the, the meeting rooms and how that relationship is between he and his teammates but there's I can I can and maybe I see things differently just because I've played and been in those locker rooms but I see something that I mean, it's one thing to to be very likable and loved and be rallied around, but it's another to win games. And I think he's he's shown that he can do both. And um you know, a young football team—you you take the go with the bad. A young football team is resilient, is eager, is 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 never out of it. You know, a cup loss. They take it hard, but the next day they're like, whatever. Whereas uh, an old Wiley vet, a tough loss, it lives with him for the rest of the season. And, and again, there's pros and cons to both, but I, but I think a, a, a young, athletic, opportunistic team is what the Packers are. And that's a dangerous team. So, but um, I, again, I wouldn't want to have them on my schedule from here
0: on out. I mean, I think Love was twenty-two or thirty-two, two sixty-eight, three touchdowns, no picks. In uh, his and, best and game, his throws
1: that were incomplete were very close. if not catchable. Uh, yeah, it should have been a lot worse for the for the Lions.
0: How are you taking it in the game? Were you uh, watching with with your family, doing the whole Thanksgiving deal? Yeah, you know, and we—I can't remember if we talked about it here. I
1: haven't watched much football. Usually a day game, I'm outside doing something. So even if it's a great game, I'm usually not watching. Well, yesterday, being Thanksgiving, you're kind of stuck in the house. And so I said, I'm watch watching. And I honestly, I thought prior to the game, if you had said, what do you think? I said, they're going to get blown out by Detroit at home. You know, Detroit's got everything played for. I mean, this is their year. The Packers are kind of up and down. This is going to be a blowout. Right from the get go, you could tell that this was going to be different. Uh, more like the Packers of old against the Lions. Uh, so I would have been absolutely dead wrong, but I was just not knowing a whole lot about Detroit other other than their record, and they opened the season with a bang. Uh, You know, they're they're eager, they're enthusiastic and all this stuff. Uh, I was unimpressed with their defense, especially the secondary, but I was probably more impressed by the precision of Jordan Love and offense, how they just surgically destroyed, the, you know, the – Lions defense.
0: It it did really feel like the moment that things clicked for Jordan Love, that he turned a corner, um, you know, barring a total 180, sure looks like he's going to be the quarterback in 2024 at least, and you want to keep a good thing going. Like what was – can you like pinpoint like the, the game, maybe even the throw in your head that you turned that same corner as the quarterback for the Packers? You
1: know, yes. And it just happens to be at the Lions. It was that playoff game, I think it may have been 94. We had lost to them at the, the end of the, the last game of the regular season was at Detroit. We. It was a fairly close game, but I threw three, maybe four picks. I played well. Now, that sounds crazy, but I played well. But I turned the ball over to, and I think I threw a interception, maybe third, or late third or fourth quarter, that got returned for a touchdown. Yeah. And uh, I remember Chris Fieldman saying, uh, get "Some, he kind of blocked me right at the goal line, and they scored the touchdown." He made some smart aleck remark, and I—I I think it was really close to the end of the game. We kind of knew it was over. And had we won the game, we were going to play Detroit the next week in the playoffs, regardless. Had we won, we would have played them in Lambeau. Had hey. if we lost, we had to come back the following week. So we lost. We got to come back the following week. I'm like crap because <laughs> I had A couple of games that I played there, I didn't play well. Uh, Um, and it was loud. Their defense, their two ends were were good. They got good pressure. It was a hostile environment, and I didn't handle that very well. So coming back, we had to come back the next week, and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, what would make me think any that I'm going to play any different a week later when I haven't done it thus far? But I played great. but It came down to the last, really second drive, and two minute drill. I'm calling plays. I called the the winning touchdown play. I actually called. I think we talked about this. I called the wrong play based on what they were playing. They were playing cover two. I called double square outs, and this is you know how young and inexperienced can can get you, but. double square ounces for off coverage, not for cover two. Not to mention, I didn't realize that Sterling was dead tired. and He was on the right side, but I called a formation that would have put him on the left side. Well, he and the receivers, a lot more experienced than me, just stayed on the sides they were on because I called a mirror route, so the same route on each side. So I'm looking for Sterling. I called double square out. I realized at the fifth step, because it was five, hitch, and throw, five, hitch, and throw, they ain't running square outs. It's cover two. And I'm looking left because Sterling was supposedly on the left. I didn't even realize they didn't flip sides. So everything that could go wrong was going wrong. And I I kind of pump fake realizing that, he ain't there, and he, whoever's there ain't running a square out. And I, then, then that's when to make a chicken salad out of chicken shit kicked in. I just kind of scrambled around. I realized Sterling's back there to the right somewhere. And I just turned and looked, and safety misplayed it. And I just unleashed one. And we won the game, and the rest was history. I mean, I think that is bad and is – Discombobulated as it was, that solidified my teammates and the coach staff like, damn, that could not be any uglier or any prettier than anything I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> I can, I think that the uh, the Packers broadcast to play by play man. Uh, this is pre Wayne Larvie. Obviously, he's yelling, run it, run it. Like you had a lot of room to run there too. And you hung and you hung and you, you found Sterling.
1: You know, one thing about especially early in my career, and and this goes back to college, when it, when in doubt, I knew my arm most of the time could bail me out. And I was my mobility was really good at the time. And I could have run and could have run more than early in my career, but I I used it more to buy time to get to a position where I could make a throw that Maybe the defense didn't think I could make, so they would cheat a little bit, and I would try to make them pay for cheating. And that was one of those occasions.
0: You know, last one on these Packers, though, Brett. You know, this has been an up and down season. Um, talk about emotions moving from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. It was messy, obviously. You know, Aaron was really trying to set the narrative as he saw it publicly. When it comes to cell phone service and FaceTiming, it was feels like light years ago now. But, I mean, it, did this feel like a game that they kind of left the Aaron Rodgers era in the past, and it's officially the Jordan Love era? Did, did you get that feel after a game like that? Absolutely. I think it, it kind of –
1: you know, people kind of forgotten about the Packers, in my opinion. Not that Packer fans had forgotten, but I think they sort of – was expecting. Let's wait till next year. Well, you know they'll play it out. We probably won't make the playoffs. We'd like to see some improvement along the way, totally with, with with the entire team. And then we'll have our hopes set for for next year. This game kind of reset everyone back to wait a minute. This team is not out of it if they can play like this for the remainder, they can, more than likely they can get in the playoffs. And uh, they just beat the front runner in one of the top, I'd say top three teams, definitely record-wise in the NFC. Beat them and beat them. I mean, the, the score was close, but it could have been a lot worse. And no one expected that. And so... Everyone kind of got reinvigorated. I'm sure the team, the good thing about being young is you got a short memory. You, you know, I mean, you lose, hey, you bump, the next day you're right back at it. So they forgot. They're going to remember this game. They're going to forget all the other. Um, so I think it, it's it definitely changed the whole dynamics of how people perceive the Packers. Now they're 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 a player in in the big picture for sure,
0: and I agree. You know, after that first game at Lambeau Field, it felt like these were two teams. You know, one's a heavyweight, one's a featherweight. The, the Lions just physically yeah. punished Green Bay at Lambeau, and there's yeah. a ton of lions. I mean, the Lions fans there were so many there. I think the Packers had to put out a statement as to why. Yeah, they do. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, and I'm I'm talking with Bob McGinn on our other show and he's wondering, shit, is it gonna go to the eighties the days, like you know, pre far pre wolf, pre holmgren when you know, you know, you don't really know what that crowd's gonna look like. Uh is it gonna be kind of apathetic down the stretch? Well now Packer fans have every reason to think the opposite, right? Now now it's the opposite extreme. Like, holy we might go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love and just have fifty years of quarterback bliss.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Jordan looked awesome. So you know, he the the potential is definitely there, but the precision is what we haven't really seen. And I mean, he he had some. The offensive line looked good. The receivers, I mean, just take your pick. I mean, each one of them had a had a hand in uh, Mm -hmm. yesterday's game, and the run game. It's okay, but it didn't matter. You know, I mean, and, and to me, LeFleur and Jordan Love seemed to – there was an ebb and flow, you know, right. like I'm sure LeFleur probably on the plane back thinking to himself up there. Now, that was clicking. I mean, I it was just pick one from the Rolodex, and Jordan will make it work because everything that they ran – if it, w- it wasn't completed, it was it could have been, and it could have been a big play. In no situation was too big for him yesterday.
0: You know the touchdown early, you know where he threads that needle on a slant. I mean that you you might have had a few flashbacks to some of your throws that that was very farvian. Like you should you know, you don't teach that throw. Like you don't you don't you don't maybe want a quarterback you know, threading that needle, but he got it there.
1: Yeah, you know, I think Jordan obviously he was drafted high. And when you get drafted high regardless of position, you want to see the wow factor. That's expected. You know, if you're you know, first round pick and you're defensive end, people want to see you bull rush tackle and just flatten him him on his back or or give some move that other guys can't make. A running back, same thing, receiver, same thing. And a quarterback, you gotta you're supposed to be able to make plays that other guys can't make. Um, And yesterday we saw that. Definitely.
0: I I wanted to ask you, did you catch Tom Brady and and what he said about football today, kind of being mediocre, you know, not, not what it used to be.
1: Yeah, I I saw that. and, And to a certain extent, I agree. I think, I think each generation could say the same thing about life in general. And football is, is no different. As rules change, um, you know, I think part of the reason for a lot of the rule changes or first and foremost for player safety. Some are probably good changes. Others, I don't know if they've really helped the game. I mean, I'm all for player safety, but it is tackle football. And so it, one thing I believe that has changed is it's, it's, it's helped the offenses, pass interferences, quarterback hits, or even a, almost a hit flag. That's a big blow to the defense. Um, the, the days of, The Giants beat the Bears nine to seven in a defensive just battle are over. You know, they want to see, they want to see points and they're seeing that, you know, um, it's, it's more running gun, uh, type offenses. I mean, you see very few teams line up under center consistently. It's, it's more shotgun, shotgun, spread them out. Taking shots down the field because usually at worst you get a pass interference, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, I think it's changed some. But you you could probably point to changes over the last fifty years. That I mean, adding another game, regular season game, right. um, limiting preseason, limiting days that you can practice and pass, which means you can't hit because you're not in pads, but 15, I think it's 15 days in pads, I mean. So defenses are going to struggle tackling Physicality, is, you'll see more physicality as the season progresses, as as players bang a little bit more and kind of get their body used to it.
0: Just in case any listeners, viewers out there missed it, this is what Tom Brady told uh, Stephen A. Smith, quote, I think there's a lot of mediocrity in today's NFL I don't see the excellence that I saw in the past. I think the coaching isn't as good as it was. I don't think the development of young players is as good as it was. The rules have allowed a lot of bad habits to get into the actual performance of the game. So I just think the product, in my opinion, is less than what it's been. And then he went on to say, uh, I look at a lot of players like Ray Lewis and Rodney Harrison, and Ronnie Lott and guys that impacted the game in a certain way, and every hit they would have made would have been a penalty. You hear coaches complaining about their own player being tackled and, why don't they talk to their player about how to protect themselves? We used to work on the fundamentals of those things all the time. Now they're trying to be regulated all the time. And I think we, we spent like a most of an episode on this, but it is so true. I mean, the more bureaucracy, the more rules, the more regulation, the more confused everybody is. And I think like the substance of substance of the sport is kind of getting lost in translation. And we're trying to find this mystical middle ground that, that doesn't exist. Um, but like you said, people are going to keep watching. People are going to keep pumping their money into this product. So I don't know if Tom Brady's speaking out or Brett Favre speaking out. Changes anything, unfortunately. Now, but where, where do you think this is going? No,
1: the NFL is such a, I mean,
0: major player in the business world.
1: They're, they're making so much money. Uh, we ain't going to change nothing. And I'm not saying that. I have the answers. Uh, Tom Brady doesn't have the answers. You you can see, you know, you can, you can, and he's speaking from experience. He played long enough that he saw, you know, a a trend that now is sort of confusing. Uh, Coaches now, the days of Bill (coughs) the Belichick era, that type of coaching where you hit in practice, you teach the fundamentals. You teach situational football, pre-snap penalties, petty, you know, just penalties and, and bonehead decisions that w- would cost you a game and cost you your job. Those days are kind of over. Bill Parcells, the, yeah. uh, Mike Ditka, you, you know uh, – just a hard-nosed coaching. Now they're going with more of an analytics. They're going with a younger guy who can relate to the players, probably has a social media philosophy. Uh, it, it's about uh, getting attention, generating money, generating points. Yes, player safety. But I, I honestly, I don't know what pass interference is anymore. I I don't know what a catch is. What's what the you know you watch you watch a game and you go oh he caught it. You watch the replay and you go oh no question he caught the ball. Incomplete. I, I you know I have no idea what when, when refs start getting instant replay wrong we got problems. Yeah, and it seems like they can never get it right because the definition on some of the calls is so vague. Well he, he he completed the catch because uh three steps. He but then you know he's got control with the, the bottom of the ball you can see it hit the not it rubs the ground, but you know he's got control of it. Incomplete. I, I you know, I mean it's it's baffling and what what is roughing the, the passer breathing on him, looking at him, you know, with intent to kill. <laughs> you 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 knew you were gonna hurt him if you'd hit him. That's a flag. So if you're a defensive end, you don't want to be fined fifty grand. Right. Well you do. If he's if he's about to throw it, do you hit him or do you run the risk of being fined fifty grand? I mean I, I see that give and take often. They they got a hit could kind have of laid him out, but the, and then the quarterbacks over time know that they got a little extra cushion because of it, and that that goes a long way if you know that you you're gonna have an extra tick, you may not get hit hard, so that 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 element of fear is not as great as it once was.
0: You know, for the longest time, I thought that that was like, um, you know, that little thought that's inside the head of a of a pass rusher. I'm thinking that's like the byproduct of of what the NFL is after here. No, like that is the goal like, that the goal, I think, through this all is for that pass rusher to pull up and for that quarterback to believe they've got a split second more time to make that throw. So we have more points, more yards, all of that, and it's going to help gambling and fantasy football. And it's—I'm just laughing because I'm thinking, like, yeah, in your day, I'm—I'm I'm sure John Randall and Warren Sapp, you know, they're—they're they're about to hit you, and they're thinking, ah, maybe, maybe I take it easy on Brett this time. Maybe maybe I just pull
1: up. Yeah, there would have definitely been a sense of—I mean, I guess the best way to put it is—it is was always looming in the back of my head. That I didn't have enough time to throw the ball when I played those guys. And so there was it, it almost was every decision in, in footwork was had a little bit of panic in and, it. And, and that was part of football. How you handled that? Did you rush the throw just enough that it was right before the receiver turned? And it had you just held it a little bit longer, it would have been a completion or a big play or a touchdown. That was part of the game. I don't think – I'm not saying that it's completely gone, but I think that's a huge factor in today's success offensively.
0: What's the uh, most vicious hit that you've ever taken? I don't think I've asked you that.
1: We were playing Tampa Bay in Green Bay, and they had drafted uh, a guy in the first round called Reagan Upshaw. I, I, I don't think now that that particular play that he hit, I scrambled to the right. He was the backside defensive end. So he was to my left. I scrambled to the right, right in front of our bench and not uncommon for me. Like a guy was coming I, and I don't remember who it was, but there was a guy coming right and I right in front of me coming to hit me and I old him. And when when I did, I kind of backed up, getting ready to make a throw. And I was like this. And he hit me full speed. I mean, it it had to be a defensive end's just dream. I mean, this is too good to be true. And he hit me right square in the back. And I landed right by Andy Reid and Matt Hasselbeck. And I I always tell a story. I got hit so hard that I hit the turf and bounced up. And I'm – I'm, I'm sure I'm embellishing. But he, I didn't have time for it to hurt because I bounced up off the turf and started jawing with him. But I was in la-la land. I mean, literally. And Andy, Andy likes to tell the story. He's like, man, he got up jawing. but, but I, I didn't even see him hit the ground he got up so fast. I'm like, it's because he hit me so hard.
0: But... What did it feel like? Like really, what does that pain feel like? You know, it was, it's one of those that usually had a
1: sixth sense. I could feel a guy behind me and I dodged those like at like the last second. But so I wasn't expecting anything. So it was one of those that when the dust settled and I'm walking back to the huddle is when you realize that he hit me right square in the back. In an awkward position, so I'm getting ready to throw. And I, I go like this. And the next day, I could hardly, like, mean, just getting out of bed.
0: I, I, I look like I had rigor mortis. That was the tough one. And then you played. You played on, right? There was no. I think I maybe take a- like 200 more games in a row. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been smack dab in the middle at some point, yeah. and yeah, this is where like the owners in the NFL would say, "Brett, this is why we're changing the sport so you don't get hit like that. So you know, when you are in your fifties and sixties, you're not creaking out of bed in the morning." But what would you tell them then? I mean, because it sounds like you don't you don't like how the sports change, and even even after you got your ass kicked, Brian, you know, I don't like how it's this. changed.
1: Yeah, I don't like how it's changed to a certain degree, but I think. As much as we just talk about that element of fear that defenses put in your your mind, I think the flip side of it is how I play. You bounce up and then you start jawing with the guy like there's one Mike up NFL films deal that we were playing in Minnesota and I got hit. I yeah. Ed McDaniel or somebody hit me late. Hit me in right in the chin, and they had me mic'd up saying, who hit me? You hit me? I thought you hit harder than that. There's that give and take, like, man, we can't hurt this guy. Yeah. You know, and i got them, in my mind, i got them more worried about trying to get me out of the game than focusing on playing the play out and doing their assignment. I want them to get, you know, to get out of their game And the only way I can do that is to get in their mind that they can't take me out. So there's that give and take. And I'm not saying that there's not that anymore, but there's not as much give as there is take. You know what I'm saying?
0: I love that point. We're drawn, I think, as human beings toward a good story, obviously, but toward that Herculean element of pro football, you know, it's not for everybody, but, when you really get down to it on NFL Sundays, it is like a heavyweight boxing fight, right? I mean, you're you're gonna knock down Rocky Balboa in a million different ways, but if Rocky keeps getting up, you're gonna be like Apollo Creed, shaking your head and wondering how is this guy still get? like? We we want those kind of stories. We we like the fact that there's only one Brett Favre who's still getting up time and time and time again, and maybe that's what the NFL's missing through this all.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think it's missing, but, but you're absolutely right. That Rocky story, the gladiator, you know, against all odds, you know, I mean, just think about Rocky, you know, the younger, younger generation that appreciate it, maybe don't even know about Rocky, but right. had is- he gone out and knocked Apollo Creed out right away, even though he was underdog, it wouldn't have had the you know, the nuts and bolts to it that, that attract us that, that you're hanging on every round. That's what's missing now to a certain degree in football.
0: And you know what the NFL should realize too, is look at this last postseason with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he gets absolutely sandwiched against Jacksonville, right? He, I think he gets like high load. That's how he, he sprains his ankle it's an injury that keeps a lot of guys out for a month, month and a half, and he plays on. And it's the number one story, right? That's what pe- people are tuning in to see how is Patrick Mahomes going to play through this injury. He re-injures it in the Super Bowl, has that run in the fourth quarter. The NFL itself itself is playing this this run as the defining moment of that Super Bowl. And we all understand the context. It's because he got demolished and he played through it. And, that's, and won. that's great. That's glorious. And they won. It's fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely, I mean, great story. You yeah, know, it wouldn't have been as, as entertaining had he just never got hit. Right. Just sat back there and threw it. Complete passes. Score a touchdown. Win the game. Everybody's like, oh. Yeah. You know, the feel-good story is, Few and far between right now.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe, hey, maybe the uh, the performance of Jordan Love and the Packers uh, and, and watching that on Thanksgiving Day, maybe that will – now you'll be watching football the rest of the year. You'll be glued to see what happens next with these guys. I think I'll
1: watch the Packers more. I, you know, and I don't want the listeners to think that I've turned my back on the Packers. That's, that's yeah. certainly not the case. But I guess the best way I can put it is before yesterday's game – The remaining games at Lambeau, people would have been, I don't want to say eager, but more willing to, Hey, you want, you want to go see the Packers play? I'll give you four tickets. We're, we're going on vacation. We've, we've been to three already this year. Now that ticket's going to be hard to get. That's the best way I can put it. People are going, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bypass hunting. I'm going to go watch them play. Yeah. You know, the reset has been is the button has been pressed.
0: That, that's the ultimate sign of optimism in Wisconsin. If uh, you know, if a guy is, he would rather sit in the cold and and watch the Packers in December rather than you know go hunting and drink a beer up in uh, the Northwoods, that, well, that's you know that's at the heart of the career, fan base.
1: I, I learned a valuable lesson. My first two years, again, I really didn't hunt. Never even thought about it. And I didn't, opening day of deer season didn't didn't mean nothing to me. I couldn't tell you when it was or anything. The stands were pretty much full. But when we started doing good, the stands were full, but all in orange. And one of the older players, Brian Nobles, one of those guys said, that's a sign that we're doing good. When the deer hunters come and wear their orange, <laughs> so I made it a point to, to notice that every year. Yeah. And sure enough, packed house. You could tell the deer hunters were not in the woods; they were in the stands.
0: Perfect note to end on, right? When the when you see the orange, where or the deer hunters are at Lambeau, that's that's a good Things sign good. for the Green Bay Packers. That's right. Awesome Brett. Hey, thanks so much man. Really appreciate you doing this again. And we'll uh hopefully have a good hunting story from you on the flip side, right?
1: Yeah. Hope hope so. Yeah. Looking forward
0: to it. Make sure yeah, make sure you have your cell phone in case uh you get caught 30 feet up in a tree though, too.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely.